Hello, welcome to the new episode of Supplycast, the podcast from the Healthcare Supply Association. Today, I have on the show Jackie Rock, who is Chief Commercial Officer NHS England, which I'm sure listeners will be aware of already. Hello, Jackie. Hey, great to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for joining me and thank you for finding the time. I know you're extremely busy. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty uh, It's pretty full on at the moment. Jackie was just was telling me just before we came on air that she, she, she gets up at quarter past five most 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 mornings which i found extraordinary and alarming in in equal measure <laughs> yeah well they say we're either morning people or evening people or some of us um, i guess when i was younger could burn the candle at both ends but uh, mm. uh i i do have um three very large greyhounds that need walking as well first thing in the morning so uh, that that's the incentive to get you up and out of bed is that the first order of the day walking the yes, greyhounds it is. absolutely so they're retired, retired greyhounds, are they? Yes, they are yeah. retired racers. Yeah, yeah. I have, a, I have a, um, a a friend recently who got a retired retired greyhound. So I guess to start off with, I I remember. I don't know if you remember this, but I, I actually met you. I think it was just before you'd been officially announced as the new chief commercial officer. It was. You might not remember this. I'm I'm sure you're going to be very polite and say yes. I remember that, but. But it was at the last HSA Winter Conference, it was last November, and I was on the stall room and you, you, you came up to me to sort of introduce yourself. I did, I did. And I, because I believe that the official announcement wasn't until the January, I think it was in the new year, wasn't it? I think it was the official official, or that's when you started. It, it was, it was really interesting because um, I absolutely wanted to come along and, and uh, mm. was very grateful um, to the HCSA for allowing me to come along but say announcements hadn't been made so I was sort of wandering around and I think people were kind of well well who is she and I was trying to sort of because uh, obviously I couldn't say too much at the time yeah, but yeah. um it was a fantastic um session and um a lot of you know I met some some great people at at that last conference who I've carried on having relationships with in terms of you know just how does it really feel out there what what's going on give it give it to me you know candidly and straight so it was um yeah it was it was a good session I'm, I'm looking forward to uh this year's conference as well yeah I think candid and straight is definitely responses you can always count on from the yeah, community especially at our our conferences you're obviously speak going to be speaking at this year's winter conference with yes. with Priya Bailey yes which is coming up November 22nd 23rd yes uh, looking forward to it that's great we'll have a little chat about that a little bit more uh, after so first of all what we like to do in the podcast is just get to know a little bit about about yourself I I'm a set I know that you came from I know that your background was um in fi- in the financial industry um, but and I also know that just prior to being Chief Commercial Officer, you were involved in Test and Trace. Indeed. That up. Uh, but can you tell me a little bit in your own words about kind of your, your path to where you are now? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, it's been an interesting one. Um, I, I grew up in Walthamstow. Um, when Walthamstow wasn't where everybody wants to live, which apparently they do now. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, Gentrification uh, of London. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, it, I, I went to a pretty rough school. Um, but I always, you know, there was always that, that, that drive. And as I say, I wasn't blessed with, you know, having really fine education. Um, you know, th- some things that usually send people on certain pathways. So I sort of went out and, and, and created it myself. And uh, at 16, actually, I went, um, I got on the train and I went up to London and I literally walked around all of the employment agencies. This is 19, about 1985, something 
um, it's going back a little while and, and, and you really could do that. And um, I think I think I was a little bit quite streetwise, a little bit um, a little bit vocal. Um, so they thought, yes, absolutely perfect. You'd be great for going into live pit trading. Um, and it really was. That was the story of how I ended up in into the financial services um, market where I stayed for a good sort of 30 or um, 25 plus 30 years. So um, whilst I was there, I'd just like to add that I did actually take qualifications. I'm a qualified accountant by trade um, and sort of went through all of my banking. And I absolutely loved financial services. Um, it gave me the opportunity to do so many different things. I did so many different activities, whether it be um, Eurobond trading way, way back in the late 80s through to um, head of quantitative analysis, um, you know, in, in, at the end of the 90s. So really, really, really great. And I actually didn't ever intend to leave um, financial services. You know, I've had the opportunity to work abroad um, quite a lot and lived abroad um, in Hong Kong, America and India. So really feel quite blessed. But often you'll hear procurement people say, I fell into procurement. I didn't yeah. fall into this. This was a choice for me. Mm -hmm. um, I was head of um, I was head of some financial areas and, and some uh, chief operating roles um, in Bank of America, Mel Lynch. And it became really clear to me that um, the, the procurement and the supply chain just wasn't where it needed to be. So I actively started getting a bit busy in that space. And then once I once I started in that space, this is sort of 10, 15 years ago, there was no turning back for me. I thought this is this is where I want to go now. This is exactly what I want to be. So that sort of got me into the procurement space. Then moving very, very quickly, how did I get from banking into um, public service? Because as I said, I never really intended to leave financial services. Uh, it just wasn't it just wasn't something that ever crossed your mind. It's kind of the, the two worlds are quite separate. But I did start talking to um, Gareth Rees-Williams and other people in uh, in a GCO and in cabinet office. And I started got invited, being invited onto sort of th certain think tanks and alumni and things via SIPs. And I started getting more and more and more involved in government procurement from advisory perspective. Um, and I just thought this is... This is kind of where this is really where the decisions are made. This is where the action happens. As exciting as financial services are, you know, being in government is quite amazing. So um, they they kind of I always like to say sort of I was dragged kicking the street, screaming down Whitehall. Um, but uh, eventually they after after much persuasion, I did join. Um, I joined the GCO. I joined the cabinet office, one of the senior directors and um, was placed out in the Ministry of Defence. Ministry of Defence for three, four years, absolutely loved it. And then when Test and Trace was set up, I was asked to go across and set up Test and Trace from a um, commercial perspective uh, with the Baroness Dido Harding. Um, the rest is really history. I did the time there and then I set up uh, UK Health Security Agency with Dame Jenny Harris. Um, two years in, in two years in health, first time ever in health, at the front line, at the cold face. We all experienced what it was like um, during COVID. That just got me gripped on health then. And I was kind of, there is so much to do. So when the position of the chief commercial officer in NHS England came up, I knew that that was something I needed to go for because there's just, there's, there's so much to do in this space. Um, and I feel so passionate about it. So you've been in that position for, uh, you know, coming up for a year. Yeah. What what would you say? What's what's the thing that's most surprised you? Has anything surprised? Is there anything, or you know, I wasn't anticipating this aspect, or I wasn't. 
um, yeah. you know, as prepared as uh, you know as I thought it was going to be. I think um, I thought I understood how the National Health Service worked, which whenever anyone says I get it, I sort of give a little smile now because mm. complexity, the complexity of our organisations and the the politics and the way things are done around here is really complicated. You can't you can't pick that up in one month, two months, or three months. So I think that was quite um, surprising to me. Just every time I thought I had it. Every time I, I sort of, if you imagine, um, you know, this, the TV shows where you have Sherlock Holmes and he's got all the different pictures on the board with the bits of string yeah. that have yeah. done it. I literally had that on my board in my office at home, how I thought the NHS worked and how mm. all the different trusts and the CCGs and then the new ICBs worked. And it just constantly another piece of string. So un- unpacking that, I think I'm, I'm getting there now, but there are still times every day or every week where suddenly another group will come up and I was going, I didn't know you were doing that. Oh, this is brilliant work. Why are you doing that alone over here? So I guess that was probably one of the... Um, the biggest surprises and one of the biggest things I thought I would be prepared for, but it took it, it took a long time. It's just that from a personal level of HCSA, at what point were you made aware of HCSA? I mean, obviously, as we've said, you came along to a conference before yeah, you were so officially in the position. But what, what happened there? Did they sit you down and say, Jackie, you've got the role. Oh, but let me tell you about HCSA. Yeah, <laughs> um, a little bit like that, but but more, more to the point, just... Um, as I say, I, yeah, I was really privileged in coming to H- HCSA before I even got the job. So to me, I knew that HCSA existed. I, I was aware of the work it did. I was aware of the, um, the the focus on people, the focus on the community, the focus on sort of a training and career pathways and everything that HSA does, um, HCSA does. So um, it was quite natural for me to sort of reach out to individuals, you know, the Simon Walshes and others and said, tell me more. So that's how it happened. Yeah. What was your what was your initial take on the uh, NHS uh, procurement professional community, uh, HSA members, essentially? Uh, yeah. What was your initial take on, on them as a community? What was the handle that you got on, you know, I suppose, you know, you're getting to know them having come through the real sort of peak of COVID and, and that kind of thing. So all the challenges that came with that um, said numerous times in this podcast, how that period really did push procurement, the procurement community into the spotlight more than it ever has before. What was your initial take of the procurement community? Well, first off, just, and it's not just the procurement communities, everybody I've met in the NHS um, whichever area or function people work in, just that that common mission, that common vision, that common um, vocational drive to be here. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when you're in the private sector, and, and indeed even in other government areas, you know, quite often, you know, people it's kind of oh, you know, don't like the job, don't particularly want to be here. It's too difficult. Now, I'm not saying there aren't challenges, and people don't tell me candidly the challenges, mm-hmm. but I've never come across anybody in the NHS that doesn't want to be here. Um, and that that's been, and I've seen that throughout the entire procurement community. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> As I've been going out to the different trusts, and I always want to meet the, the procurement teams, and I sit down with the procurement. It's oh yeah, we'll get into the challenges maybe later. It's common problems, um, common challenges that we all face. But every time 
everybody has got this, this we all want to buy better we all want to buy the same we want to save the money we want to give the best efficiencies we want to have better patient outcomes so that is just overwhelmingly and seeing as as I say, apart from the HCSA, you know, um, and there are different groups that have got together in different collaboratives, etc. I think, I guess, I suppose one of the things that, that was most challenging for me is how do I connect? How do I communicate with over 4000 people in over 220 different organizations? Mm-hmm. How do we come together as a community? So um, that was, you know, that was my initial thinking. Um, but as I said, just I've just been absolutely um overjoyed with um with with the the, the commitment um and the drive that everybody in the procurement has got because it is it is a difficult space it's a difficult space to work in yeah i mean i'd, I'd echo that one of the common things that i've always said in this podcast is that you know everyone basically seems to enjoy being in procurement um they they they're happy there you know you don't meet many people who are you know itching to get away mm. um despite going through the most challenging period that they've had to go through ever. Okay. So I'd actually echo what you're saying there. In terms of the HCSA, staying on the HCSA at the moment, um, how do you see things developing between yourself and the HCSA? What do you think we can do for each other? Um, and how can we, I suppose, keep make sure that we're keeping, obviously a big, big, big part of what we do is keeping our members in the loop on what developments are going on. Um, transparency, um, communication is obviously extremely important. Um, you know, making sure that the, you know, the, the centre are aware of what's going on in our community, mm-hmm. vice versa. Um, how do you intend to work on that and progress that relationship? So... The relationship with the HCSA is, is just incredibly important. Um, I worked out very, very early that if I was going to affect the change and offer the services that I wanted to offer as part of the central commercial function out of NHS England, I couldn't do that without the sponsorship um, mm-hmm. of the HCSA. I couldn't do it. it. It just wouldn't work. So, you know, we we started very, very early. It was one of the first things I did was come to, to come to the group, come to little think tank groups, because I've said all along, this is really collaborative, what I'm trying to do here. Um, you know, put, you know, put the concepts past people, you know, will this work? Has this been done before and failed? Am I, am I getting it right? So absolutely continue to work hand in glove um, with what I'm trying to do, because the whole purpose of the central commercial function, which I'm assuming all your members know about now, um, and obviously I'll be speaking yeah. to them more um, at the winter conference, is this is about collaboration. This is about us becoming together as a commercial community. We all know that we don't leverage the market uh, how we could. We all know that suppliers, um, you know, uh, a challenged working with us and equally so, you know, the way that we've got our, our, um, our frameworks and our contracts is also challenging. You know, there's, there's a whole, again, I could talk for two hours on the reasons why we sure. these services, but without, you know, without the, without the community, the community wanting to be part of this, being part of the actual creation of it and the delivery of it, then I might as well, you know, there's there's nothing for NHS England to sort of drive as a service. So that's why it's really important. So I want to continue going forward to make sure that, 
as often as you'll have me, I'll speak. I'll yeah. tell you what's going on from the centre. Um, I'll, I'll hear back from your members, um, things that are working, things that aren't working. Make sure we stay in touch, you know, newsletters, etc. And, and equally so, I'd encourage all your members to join up to our Central Commercial Function Hub. Uh, we've just gone live new on the internet intranet now. So um, we're building it out, but somewhere where they can go for that one-stop shop as well. Just wondering, you said yourself that you, you know, you've taken it upon yourself to go to a lot of trusts, meet, meet a lot of procurement people, to talk to a lot of procurement people, senior procurement people. How do you how do you feel you've been received in the last year? Yeah. Making yeah. yourself knowing. Yeah, everyone's been everyone's been incredibly friendly. Everyone's been incredibly um, pleasant, as you'd expect. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also, people aren't shy and holding holding back on what's not working yeah. and how it feels. And you know, I think there's there's been some concerns. You know, um, certainly when you start talking about things like a centralized commercial function, the first thing people mm. say to me. Well, are you are you centralizing everything? No, yeah, no, no, that's sure. not what we're doing here. So again, so that that's been really good because I've found, and you know, I think just procurement people because of who we are and what we do for a living, we're a challenging bunch anyway. We're not, we're not, you know, we're negotiators. Um, we're, we're we're quite out there people, so we're not shy at, at telling people how we feel. So how I feel I've been received has been professional, friendly, and warm, but also. Um, I've used the word two or three times here, very candid. And, and hopefully I, you know, I hope I come across that that's the kind of person I am. I want you to tell me straight. I, I'm a very straight talker. I don't need things to be sugar-coated. I don't need things, um, people to feel that it's not appropriate to say certain things because, we, you know, we're in this together. So we've got we've to be really open and honest with each other about what's worked, what hasn't worked and how it feels. This probably this seems like a good time to go on to something else I'm going to ask you about, and it's probably relatable to that, which is obviously the the announcement about the cabinet office having to rubber stamp approval of clinical non clinical spending over ten million pounds. Uh, I this week did a, a podcast with Michael Pace, um, who's obviously managing director of London Procurement Partnership, which is where the where the pilot is obviously taking place. And I, and I know I haven't spoken to Michael that he's been talking to you a lot around it. Um, can you explain a little bit more about that decision? Because obviously that is something that procurement community are going to think, mm. oh, this is another thing to have to deal with. This is another yeah. thing, another hoop to have to jump through, et cetera, et cetera. Can you explain to me the reason behind that and perhaps some comforting words for anyone that yeah, is thinking, oh, sure, dear, absolutely. right, you know. So, so first of all, just to put this into context, this isn't something that NHS England has pushed for, or driven for, or indeed implemented. This is something that the Treasury and the Cabinet Office sure. have implemented. So these spend controls um, and the, the, the rates that we're, we're talking about here, the criteria we're talking about, have been in across government for many, many years. And there have been certain groups that have not been included. And the NHS Trust is one of it. So NHS England, by the way, has always done these spend controls. You know, the sort of the three or four billion that I buy nationally, they've always been subject to these spend controls. It's very much focused on the trusts. Um, our last Secretary of State, when he was in his job, um, Mr. Steve Barclay, as um, uh, Chief of the Treasury, 
Um, this was one of the things that that he had top of his agenda. So as you could, you know, so rightly so, when when he became Secretary of State, um, it was pushed forward quite quite quickly, um, and uh, that is the. Um, that, that 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 is the legislation and that is what we have to do now what i've been doing around this is we myself and priya and the team have been working very hard on behalf of the nhs to go back to cabinet office and sort of work out look you know we can't do this as a big bang um that you know this is this this amounts to about 1200 business cases a year um that um now need to go through extra um you know oversight in effect which you know I, I always say to people it adds about should it add at least 12 you know 28 days to your timeline so you've got to make bear that in mind when you do the procurement I met with Jacob Rees-Mogg um in his his previous position he's now in a different job um a couple of literally about three or four weeks ago and sat down and had a very open conversation with him to say this is you know we see the value we see the value in oversight. We see the value in being able to demonstrate that we are doing, you know, we are guardians of public money and we are we are buying in the right way. What we don't see the value of is suddenly doing a great big bang and the 10 million seems very low. And can we do these certain things? You know, can we roll it out in this certain way? So what we've what we've agreed with the cabinet office right now is um we're doing the pilot, as you said, with the with the uh with London, we chose London teams because they'd already been piloting with us. Um, it's not really a pilot. We're going live with the London teams, and it's twenty yeah. percent of the spend. Okay, so that's really important. Um, we're going to do a check with the Cabinet Office, and everybody's agreed to that, including the ministers, um, very early in January to first of all see, okay, how much went through, you know, um, what did we catch, and the question that I've got at Cabinet Office agrees. What was the value? Because I think that's what really matters here, mm-hmm. you know. Because I will continue to push, and I make no, no, um, uh, you know, no, no, it's not hidden. I want to push that up to probably twenty twenty five million at least. You know, that takes us from twelve million down to about two ninety, um, and I think we can all go, yeah, twenty five million. That's fair enough. Ten feels very low, but mm-hmm. we have to go through this process. And London's being brilliant. And it's it's you know it's working with us on the training, you know, because to to in order, I haven't got the data at the moment. Once I've got the data, I can go back and challenge. Once I've got the data, I can say this isn't about the NHS not wishing to be open, transparent, and be, you know, part of the normal spend control process. But where's the value? And more importantly, with this data, once we've got it, is where did it actually stop us doing things? Where did it hold anything up? You know, yeah. so we can do that. Yeah. So that's 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 what I've agreed. That's the um, that's that's where we are right now. Um, I will continue on behalf of the NHS to challenge. Um, you know where I think that um, the decisions by the cabinet office and the treasury. Um, you know, maybe maybe need to be challenged, and and that maybe we need some some different um, different tolerances. Um, and of course, we're going to continue to support. We'll support the trusts through all of this. Lots of dashboard, lots of reporting, lots of you know. Come to me, come to the team. Um, I've I've brought another four people in so we can make sure this goes quick. And little things like rather than it just coming into um, into NHS England, we take a look. DHSC a step back, so we don't have to go through that process. And um, finally, on this, yeah, we we said to the cabinet office, rather than it just going off into an inbox, 
we'll do a, we'll do a session with you every week. We, the NHS, will sit down and we'll take you through what this is because you know for the cabinet office this is this is a lot for them to take on, and yeah. a lot for them to take on in a space they're not familiar with. Mm-hmm. They're going to have a lot of questions, so. We're, we're here. We're supporting all of your members. We're supporting all of the trusts in the NHS. We'll get through this together. And um, I'm very, very confident. You said you wanted some words of comfort. I'm very confident that at the end of the year, when we've got the first lot of data, we can have some really um, intelligent um, and the right thing to do conversations with the Cabinet Office. So that's a lot more of a fluid situation than a sort of set in stone. This is what's going to happen. I think everything's fluid at the moment with our with our different uh, with our current government, our current cabinet office, and our current secretary of state. So everything is fluid. So I think we can continue to um, we can continue to challenge. Excellent. I just wanted to uh, move on to one of the big things that HSA is concerned with at the moment and committed to are future leaders, the next generation of procurement professionals. Um, we part of that is a lot of investment that's been done into the learning and development and training that HTSA provides. Uh, PDPs just had um, a major anniversary. Um, there's all sorts of other little things going on. The investment uh, graduate training scheme. Yeah. Uh, even just recently, the trustees decided on putting out 200 free tickets for the conference with the intention of them going for less senior individuals. Um, which we, you know, we we think it's great. Obviously, that's coming out in Manchester Central, which is going to be our, our biggest ever venue as well. Um, so I wanted to ask, what kind of support potentially is there available from the centre in terms of investment into those areas of support and development of the profession? Yeah. So, again, when I'm out and I'm speaking to everybody, I'm speaking to the trust and I say, you know, it's like the old Monty Python thing, you know, what have the Romans ever done for you? What has NHS England ever done for you? One of the key things that comes back is we need some more support around people. Mm -hmm. We need some more support around attracting, retaining, developing our talent. Um, So one of the things that the central commercial function is doing, the CCF, is we're building out an Actually, we worked on people on our last procurement leads um, offsite. You know, what is the service? What 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 do you need in addition to all of the things that you're doing? So the key thing here, Bruce, is we don't want to duplicate. We don't want to duplicate anything that the HCSA is already doing and is already working and is already working really well. What we do want to do is we want to supplement that and we want to help and we want to drive that forward. So um, we're, we're working through that at the moment, working through what that sort of strategy and planning will. We're going to continue to work with the skills development network um, so that, you know, on that offer, because I think that's something that Central can sort of really help drive. Um, I think there's there's other things we can look at. Uh, and a lot of it when it comes around um, people, we were looking kind of job families and how can we help in terms of setting, you know, setting clear career pathing. So um, we're working on that, too. I think um, there's the ADC um, that is being offered out, um, not compulsory, not mandatory, but is really useful for people as well from an accreditation perspective. So we've got a lot of, lot of, lot of things going out. Now, the reason I'm, I'm not giving you a clear sort of the A, B, C, D, mm-hmm. still working on that strategy right sure. now. You asked me about funding. I think as soon as we know what that strategy is and which bits so we don't duplicate which bits we're going to go after and when we're going to do it. And I've got a clear timeline. Then we can absolutely talk about um, talk about the additional funding. I mean, it's tricky at the moment. Um, you all know this. Um, 
funding is not really yeah funding is tight on everything but um there are there are many ways to sort of skin a cat as i always say and there are many there are many ways we can secure funding there's many things we can do to do the people and the um, the skills development um without necessarily just saying okay we'll throw a million in it here or a million in it there and one of the things i always say because i'm passionate about people because there is no there is no organization without people mm-hmm. and bringing our talent up and our succession planning but often really successful skills development programs and and talent retention etc you know it's not necessarily through a system and it's not necessarily through throwing loads of money about it it's actually it's us it's the community making it happen um so um and i know that you're doing a lot of work with this it's about people standing up and saying where can i get involved Mm -hmm. where can i mentor where can i coach where can i give um you know whether it be brown bag sessions on training etc so i think we need to look wider at the whole community and see see what else we can do rather than it always just being a financial solution okay before we uh, move on to the desert island supplies part of the podcast i just want to ask you because it's coming up to a year that you've been there what so far what are you most proud of in that first year what is there one yeah. one thing that you're most proud of in that first year that you think oh, I nailed that yeah well <laughs> I think that's you know I'm not that um I'm not that bold to say that we've you know to say that I've nailed something means that it's it's in and it's been an outstanding success and I think within the first 10 months we're still in that process I'm very mm-hmm. proud of the CCF I'm very proud of of us launching the central commercial function. I'm very proud of the way that I can see the community coming together. I'm very proud of the collective decisions we as an NHS procurement are now starting to make Um, because that wasn't that wasn't happening in that way, you know, last year. So I'm really proud of that. Really proud of the rollout of Atomis. Um, It's a system I know. Yeah, proud of how we got it funded uh, via Crown Commercial Services. Proud of how everybody, everybody, I think it's 125, 125 trusts now on board. We didn't get anybody come around and say, too busy. No, we don't see why. No, we don't want to do this. It's been phenomenal in terms of just the collaboration and what that's going to give us at the end of the financial year when we've got everybody on the same system. We've never had, never in the history of the NHS, if we had one view of our spend via the categories, via the contracts. This is really quite phenomenal. So very, very excited about that. Um, and I think the work that we've been doing on our categories um, has been phenomenal. Say so we looked at digital, we're now starting to look at some of the other categories for part of our sprints like energy. So that 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 is going to shift the dial. So that that's really working. The work that everyone's doing on net zero, um, very, very focused, um, quite aggressive timelines. But uh, and, it, and a lot of it is around education. You know, yeah. first of April, we all had to go out and explain to all our suppliers what what the social value ten percent meant. So again, very very proud of everybody because that that could have been quite that could have been quite difficult. Now there are still challenges, but I think everybody landed that incredibly well. So um, I'm just yeah. So when I look back, actually, over the last sort of ten months. And it's not just me. It's the t- it's it's not just me. It's my team. Um, it's NHS supply chain. The work they're doing. It's the work that your members are doing. It's the right across this very large community. Um, I, I really think we're um, starting to make a massive difference on things. Uh, I get the feeling you're quite a positive person, but I'm sure you you knew this question was going to come as a flip side to that. 
in those 10 months, is there anything that's been a disappointment to you? Is there anything that yeah, you're yeah. thinking, mm, surely we yeah. haven't really dealt with that or we haven't really been yeah. able to? I, can't, I, I, I still scratch my head. Um, so I read um, those, those people that have been around. I read uh, Lord Patrick Carter's review back in, I think it was either, it's either 2006 or 2009, apologies. Um, Seems a long time ago now, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does. Yeah. And I read it and I was like, yes, I agree. Yes, I agree. Yeah, that's the problem. That's, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and it, it was it was a quite a brilliant report. Um, and I guess I'm disappointed because we've known about all the challenges. We've known how to make the, uh, the supply chain more efficient for a long, long time. See, this is nothing. I Jackie Rock hasn't come in and just suddenly bought a whole new load of oh, we haven't thought of that before. We all know what it is, and sure. yet I don't understand why it's so difficult to do things. I don't understand why we all know the problems. We all know that we're not leveraging the markets. We all know that suppliers have got over sometimes 150 different contracts with us for the same thing at different prices. We all know this. Yeah, we've got reports, we've got ministerial reports, we've got Secretary of State who stand up every now and again and say, we're going to do this, and yet it doesn't happen. And I, I guess that's been my, is it, and I'm trying to work out why, is it because maybe I'll ask that at the conference, is it in the too difficult box? Is it because there's always something else to focus on and commercial feels a little bit down the pecking order in terms of when you're mm -hmm. looking to focus on clinical pathways. So I'm trying to work out why when we all know the systemic issues with commercial and procurement in the NHS, and we do all know them, your members all know them, why we why we've not been able to really make a difference and do something about it. And that's and in, in those 10 months, have you have you thought, oh, this is why? Yeah, the federated way that we're set up. It's a very, yeah. very complicated organisation. But we've got opportunities now, two things. So with the set of the ICBs, that's an opportunity, right? Let's get, let, let's, I've, I've committed to raise the profile of commercial in every single ICB. I've spoke to every single ICB chief exec. I speak with them every, I, I get, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to be on the Exco and we, we meet with them every two weeks, two to three weeks. And I'm constantly going about commercial. I want the commercial not to just be part of a CFO or a finances responsibility and never at the seat at the table. So that's one of the things. So we've got the, I think that's a change in landscape that we can do something with. And the second thing is, as I said, just the way that I see this community coming together. Um, and when we all sit down and we do a case study on a particular category, we'll go, well, that's bonkers that we buy it like that. Let's do something else. So, um, yeah, I think the landscape, is, it's its the right time, especially um, coming out of COVID and knowing how we managed to buy things there and then, um, you know, the speed and the agility um, and the lack of bureaucracy. I just, as I said, I, I don't know all the answers yet. I'm still I'm still asking the questions. I'm still trying to work it out. But you asked what, what, what I was disappointed about. That's probably the, the, the key thing. Okay, well, obviously, Jack, as you mentioned yourself, we could spend hours on each particular little topic. My hope is that this is a sort of, um, uh, you know, springboard and that you'd be sort of willing to regularly come on yeah. um, at key moments, perhaps key developments in CCF or the the, the, the um, pilot going on in London with the uh, £10 million yeah. um, bracket. Um, 
so that would be really great to have you back on regularly to talk to directly to members that would be fantastic um however this is your first time on supply cast which means you're now hurtling towards desert island supplies part um <laughs> as we enter into the final death throes of this okay. episode uh so uh regular listeners and i hope yourself jackie so you're not caught to other words will know that we're plunking you on the desert island and you get to take a luxury item you get to take one album by an artist uh, and one film what they're going to be luxury item first of all luxury item so you know the obvious ones obviously i'm not going to do because uh you know they, they, they've all probably been done to death but this, it's not particularly exciting but three greyhounds yeah, no, no, yeah. I thought about my right <laughs> hand and I thought I'm not going to subject them to No, no, no. Yeah, they might not like it, yeah. No, I, you know, look, even if it's just paper, a journal and pens, yeah. I've, I've wanted to write a book. All, you know, I've got so many ideas. Um, mm-hmm. They're not everyone's genre. I'm a bit of a kind of a Stephen King kind of mm-hmm. fan, a bit of yeah. a horror fan. But yeah. I've, got the, I've got the books in my head and I've just never had the time to write them. So I think that would be my luxury item because, quite frankly, after I've gone and speared my fish and you know, uh, made made my made my tent safe for the for the storms at the night. Mm-hmm. We should have quite a bit of time, and I don't want to I don't want to talk to a um, a ball. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, so that would be my that would be my luxury item: a journal with lots of pens, please. Journals and lots of pens. Okay, you've you've got it. Uh, what what about music? What are you going to be listening to while you're scribbling away in your first novel? Yeah, so again, really, really, you know, really tricky. I'm, I'm a big music fan. I'm a big rock music fan. Um, back in the day, it was it was quite heavy. Then it sort of moved more into the sort of a, I would call it more soft pop rock. So, you know, mm. it's got to be the man. It's got to be Meatloaf. And it's got to be Bat Out of Hell. Um, even though it's only seven tracks, I mean, my goodness, those seven tracks, Mm-hmm. You know, um, so I, I I just cannot go without Meatloaf. So he's, he's got to come with me. So Meatloaf's going on that the desert island with you and your um and your pens and paper and that. Uh, what film are you going to take for Desert Island? Yeah, and <laughs> my team are always my team laugh at me quite regularly because they would say you've always got a movie quote for everything. <laughs> so I wasn't actually quite aware I did that all the time, but clearly a clearly a big movie fan. And again, just like my tasting books, my my choice of movies is I'm I'm a massive horror movie mm. fan. But I was thinking Desert Island is you know is Jason or or Michael Myers or any of them really going to be very good and uplifting. So I've decided to not take them, and I'm going to yeah. take I'm going to take Disney's Cool Runnings because oh, it, wow. it still is just the most upbeat, wonderful movie that if you catch it or if you're feeling low or you know for just any reason, Cool Runnings goes on in my house. Probably watch it six or seven times a year. So um, it's got to, yeah, it's got to come with me. It's a Jamaican boss fighting. Yeah, you've got a uh, morale boosting film that you're taking with you. Yeah. Just in those sort of quiet days, which presumably is most days on a desert island, I'd imagine. <laughs> uh, Jackie, thank you so much for finding the time to do this. I know you're very busy and I know that our members would be appreciative that you've come on to talk about this. Um, obviously, you're going to be uh, giving the presentation with Priya at the winter conference which i'm sure you know everyone will be looking forward to um and also yeah it'd be great to have you on regularly when there's new stuff popping up um perhaps stuff that members might be wanting to feed questions into me about to get to you um 
that would be a fantastic thing to do if we could maybe set that up as a regular thing. I'm sure some, that's something that members would really appreciate. Yeah, I'm very happy forward. to do that. That's fantastic. Okay. Well, thanks for that. Thanks for that, Jackie. Yep. Uh, that concludes this episode. And I hope you can join me next time on Supplycast. Bye.